for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. I pray for Pastor Dan as he comes up and delivers this message. I pray for each and every one of these uh, members of this youth group that we would all leave with something from this message. I pray that we would um, arrive Chick-fil-A safe or at home safe tonight and ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, band and Jacob. I appreciate that. If you f- fall asleep, I throw this at you as a projectile. Unless you're a fir- first-time guest, then you get one pass, and then next week we throw it at you. All right. Last week, we jumped into a series on purity, and this is week two. And some of you are like, oh, dear Lord, what have I come into? Now... Now, we introduced it as this, and, and I'll, I'll do the same thing I shared from last week. When, when you were a young child and you went to the beach and your parents would, would put the chairs out and all that stuff, and, and they'd set it all up, and so you would want to go out and play, and the surf, surf, surf is high, and they'd say, don't go past your, the bottoms of your feet, so, you know, or whatever. You know, we got some, some freaky parents. They're like, no, be careful, little a little Noah, a little Noah Boa. And, um, and so I'm not talking about anyone in particular. That was just a name that came to mind. Um, and so they'd be like, be careful, but whatever you do, you know, stay in front of the beach chairs. And a lot of times, you know, you go out there, you start to play, and all of a sudden you look up, and mom and dad have abandoned you. They have disappeared. The chairs are gone. Everything has changed. And you are trying, and then you hear a voice, and from way to your left, you hear... Noah, sorry, I'm just using that. It's the name is going. Noah, and, and you look, and there they are, way over there. And you're like, why did they move all the stuff? And the truth is, they didn't move at all. The stuff didn't move at all, but you did, right? Have Have you ever been to the beach where you, the, you? And it's it's not something that you've even. Sometimes you don't even feel it. There's times when there's a pretty good current, and you sort of feel it. But every time your feet leave the ground, you just float a little bit more away. And so we're in a cult, a culture, and world that there's a drift. God has a plan that he wants you to take. He wants you to stay in front of, and you're going to have to fight to stay in front, in front of it. Now, last week, we talked about one thing that you've got to know. In order to, to live a life that's pure, you've got to understand and keep one truth in mind. Your self-worth is not found in anybody or anything. It's found in God and God alone. And how, what does God think of us? You know, it says that God made you the way that you are with a plan. He even made me. I can't talk right. Your first time here, all of a sudden I say some words weird. Don't freak out. It's not your ears. It's my mouth. It's just, it's just you know, God made us with a plan and a pur- 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 purpose. It also says that God thinks about us, thinks about you more than the grains of sand. In one handful of sand, there are over 710 thousand grains of sand. If you go to the beach, scoop it up just when you first go and look at it and just think God thinks about you much more than even the grains of sand that are in your hand. That blows my mind. I can't grasp it. It almost doesn't make sense to me, but that's okay because I'm not God. It doesn't have to make sense, but I believe God is who he says he is, and that's the way that God works. So we find our self-worth in God. That's the first thing. If you want to stay in front of those chairs where God wants you to be, self-worth in God, quit putting it in a guy and this girl and what your friends say at school and what the news says or whatever on TV says you're supposed to look like, act like, be like, you can't live up to it. You can't. You are, you are going to drift. If you, you go that way, you're going to drift. So first point to not drift, stay focused where you are. 
Second point is where we're going to be tonight. And um, I'm going to speak to you on some, something that is going to be tough for some of you to face. I've taught this through the years. I know I look like I'm only like 28-ish. I'm a little bit more than that. So I've, I've taught this through the years a few, a few times. And there has been time after time that students have come up to me and it sort of has wrecked their life in some ways in order for them to get on track with God. So I just want you to just to be open. Uh, it may contradict some of the feelings that you have. And I'll tell you this, your feelings aren't always right. Many times your feelings are wrong, but I feel, but I love him, I love her. And that relationship is gone after two days. And then that's, well, I love him and her. Feelings, we just can't trust them a lot of the time. Especially, please don't be offended, but at the age that you are, dear Lord, I am so glad I'm not a teenager anymore. Because it's up, I'm down, I know it's, it's rough. Um, James 1, 19 says this, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers. He's speaking to believers, and this is, is, what, is what he says. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, a lot of folks say, man, that's sort of my life first. When I deal with folks, I just want to be um, uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That, that's a good motto to live by in life. And it is sort of a good motto to have, but the point of this is... What was said for it was when someone brings the word of God to you, brings God's truth to you, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because we are fallen people. We choose to, to live in sin at times, right? Or am I just all by myself? Pastor Dan, you are just evil. Amen. And we, we, we choose that way. But God says, hey, when someone brings the word, when, or when you're reading God's word on your own, and he reveals something to you that you go, oh. That's going to change my life, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. He says, hey, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So, so, so that's what I want you to do as we look at this text. And, man, if you can just apply, begin applying this truth that we teach in your life, starting right now for the rest of your life, it's going to help you stay right in front of where God wants you to be because that drift is going to be hard. That, that, that current is going to be strong. Now, Paul is writing to the church at at Corinth. Now, he's written them one, one letter, and this church doesn't listen to anything. He's trying to speak truth to them. They don't seem to care. They hear it with their mouth and go, yeah, 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 yeah. But what they do doesn't re reflect change at all. And this is what Paul says to them in verse, we're in, going to be in 2 Corinthians chap, chap, chapter 6. And in, in verse I'll, I'll, 11, Paul says, our hearts, as Paul, Paul says, our hearts are wide open to you. He says, hey, we're laying ourselves out to you. In verse 13, he says this, in return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. So he says, hey, I'm, I'm speaking to you with my heart wide open. And I'm going to ask you as a child, Hear what I'm saying with your heart wide open as well. Don't be closed off going, I'm not going to hear what you've got to say. Paul's going, man, I care about you. I love you. I want you to hear this truth. So you've got to, this is what you, everybody in this room has got to do. You've got to go, okay, God, you've got something for me to hear. Even through this guy that's up on stage, it's a little bit weird. 
you've got something for me to hear, let me hear it. Okay? So you say, hey, as I speak to you, just open up your hearts. Because what, um, what I'm going to speak to you tonight, I speak it because I care about you. Okay? I care about where you are right now and where you're going. I don't care where you've been, per se. I care that if it hurt you, I'm sorry, and I care about that. But I care about where you are right now and where you're going. And that's what, you can't do anything about the past. But you can do everything about right now. So what I'm going to share with you tonight is the exact same things I when I first began to teach this, I said, man, when my kids get old enough, I want to I speak these truths into my own kid's life. And now that they're that age, I, I feel like I have. And I will continue to do it as they grow of age where they're at that right age to talk to about things that are this important. So give what you hear a chance, not only for your ears to hear, but your heart to respond. Okay, deal? Well, that's a long introduction. You're like, dear Lord, that's just the introduction? Yes. Okay, first thing first, God created marriage with a plan and a purpose. In Genesis chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. We're just going to, to look back at this for a second. In verse 18, this is what it says. I think we've got this scripture on the screen. Is that right, Tristan? It says this, verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So, so he says, I'm, 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 I'm going to help man out because it's not good that he's alone. For, verse 20, it says, The man gave names to all the livestock to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for, for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And when man saw her the first time, he said, whoa, man. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's sort of how she got her name. And it says that, that God brought the, the woman to the man. You know that in a wedding, who here has ever been to a wedding? Not been married themselves, but been to a wedding. Okay, good. Okay, good. Do you know that when the, a lot of times the father of the bride will give the bride away, right? You see right here, this is the first giving of the bride away. It says God brought the woman to the man. God made her and then he. So when you see in a, a, a wedding of this dad who is giving the daughter away or this very important male figure in her life that is giving her away. It's a picture of what God did that very first time. So don't ever miss that in a wedding. So then the man said, this is, at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man and because she was taken out of man. In verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Marriage is part of God's plan. Jesus and Matthew 19, verse 5, he quotes that same verse I just read, that therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, so shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he says this in verse 6, so they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Understand this, and this is what I have gotten to probably marry 26 people, 26 whatever you call it, 26 officiated, I've been married once to my wife, but uh, I've officiated 26 wed 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 weddings. And one of the greatest things, the greatest privilege I have is to walk with these couples before they get married and begin to teach them what marriage is supposed to be like. Because it's sort of hard. 
It's really, you know, it's, you know, you're like, oh, man, it's just going to be easy. And no, it's, you got to work at it. And, and your spouse is just weird and they do things weird because it's not the way that you were raised. And they think you're weird, but they're wrong. You're right. And, and, and you're selfish and you got to work through all, all these things. And it's uh, such a, uh, but in the midst of all that, can I tell you, marriage is one of the greatest things on this earth you can ever experience. If you do it right. If you do it right. And so many miss this. And they are in a marriage. And there are some that are even in the church. And just marriage just isn't what they signed up for. And it's just not working. And so for you to pick who you're supposed to marry, that's a huge deal. Can I tell you? You go, man, that's pressure. You should feel it. It's not just a whim. Man, I feel great. Their person is great. It's, it, it's much more than that. So God's plan is for a man and woman to be in a lifetime relationship together. God has made marriage and made it good. Now, you are not the age to marry. Amen? Amen. Some of you are, I'm ready. No, you're not. No, you don't know. Hold on. Um, and what I want to talk a little bit tonight is a little bit about dating because that starts to come up at the age of a lot of you where a lot of you are. Okay? And you go, well, 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 What's your stance on this, or how are we supposed to work through this? Because even if you're, you're, you're 12 or with, if you're 18 in this room, I want you to, be, to begin to look for who you're supposed to, to marry. Who, who, who is, is that match going to look like? What's it going to, to look like? Even at 12, don't look a whole lot. Don't look at all. Wait till you're 21, because, you know, it's just God says wait and be pure, so you might as well just take your time. Now... Um, if we look in the Word of God, it doesn't say anything about dating. There's no, um, I looked at it, and it doesn't say anywhere, when thou datest, thou must look at that the anointedest one with one eye closeth and barely open the other one. It doesn't say anything like that. We, we just don't, don't have anything. But there's truths of Scripture that's here to guide us, to know us how we're supposed to work this thing out. In the 1930s, my grandmother named Honey, that's a cute name, isn't it? She was like four foot nine, honest to God, when she was on her tiptoes. When she was at, at 95, she was like four six. She had shrunk some. Um, she, she was married, uh, my grandfather, she was 14, he was 15 when they got married in the 1930s. You're like, holy cow, that's my age. You're like, no, cra- crazy. Now, some people used to go, so at, back in those days when you were young, that's when you were used to used to get married. And so, um, and the truth is that, that that's not true. Usually a woman got married at 21 in the 1930s. 30s man was 23. So we, we've got some myths that, that the world says, oh, well, they were younger then, and that's why they didn't struggle like we do now with staying pure and all that stuff. That's, that's not so the case. My, my gr- grand, grandfather, who was 4'9", married my grandfather, who was 6'3". They were married for 71 years. Okay, so that's crazy. Um, and uh, they met, they courted, and they married. That's sort of the way dating worked back then. You met someone you liked, you began to court them, and then you married them. Let's fast forward to 1988. Yeah, baby, I'm 17. Sorry, I know you're like, seriously? Yeah, I know. And um, I'm 17, 1988. This is how it works out. You become friends, your friends at school or, or, or whatever. 
The guy, you're going to be blown away by this, the guy has to get out the nerve to ask the girl out just to go on a date. I know it. Y'all cheat so many ways nowadays. Y'all are scaredy cats. And, and so the guy would have to just put himself out there. Greg knows what I, I'm saying. He was just, and, and, you know, you like the girl. You aren't going to, like, have your friends talk it over and, and try to find out where she stood. No, that's the wussy way. You got to man up and just go, hey, babe, you want to go out with me? And you got to nod your head, you know, have a pack of smokes. No, I'm kidding. I, 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 I didn't smoke. I tried when I was five, and it, it was awful. Um, that's a true story. Um, I stole my mom's pack of smokes, tried it when I was five, and it was bad. Um, anyways, so you had to put yourself out there, and the girl could say yes or go, okay, okay, hey, guys, how you doing? And just, just shoot you down. Painful era. If the, you asked a girl out, you begin to date, then you would go steady, then you'd break up, then you'd ask a girl out, up or down, yes, no. You, you would date, go steady. Somewhere along the lines that worked out to getting engaged and then to get, to get married. That's sort of the way it worked back in 1988. Now, if you wanted to take a step fur- further, like I uh, made the mistake of doing, I thought, I'm going to ask this girl's dad if, if, if I can ask her out. I'm going to go beyond. It was at church. Some guys at church had goaded me into it. Hey, go ask her. Her dad was a scary dude, man. He was like a Pakistani guy. Uh, uh, that was probably five foot ten, but looked like he could kill everybody in this room in two seconds. And so I went up to him and said, "Hey, Mr. Corey, I want to know if I could ask your daughter. I could take your daughter out on a date." And he said, "I really think you're a nice guy." No. And I said, "Okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. Thank you, sir." I mean, what do you say? What do you respond to that? Now, let's fast forward to 2018. How in the world does this work? You meet, you PM, you text, uh, you, did I say something wrong? DM, excuse me, you DM, all right, you lose control, okay, and then wait a second, wait, wait a second. Then you're, ta- you're talking. You're talking. What, what are y'all? Are y'all going out? No, we're talking. What the crap is talking? I talk to my mom. So do you, you freakos. Am I right? Oh, we're talking. Oh, oh, that's great. That's good. I hope you... you so we don't just text now, I guess? We, we actually use our mouths to talk, and, and that's like a step up? That's weird. And then... And then you, you date, and then there, there's a term that's changed over the years, and this shouldn't apply, but it, it applies in some of the high school, in college, whatever. When you used to, to, to date a girl, listen, hear me out, if you were going to hook up with a girl, that means go on a date with her. That's what it meant back in 1994 and back. But when I pr- preached this back in, in 98 the first time, they were like, I said something about that, and they are like, because it means something else. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. So, so what's dating now? I'm still confused. Are y'all c- c- confused at all? You are so confused. Okay, just, just admit it. You're so confused. All right. It's, it's DM, not PM, right? Okay, thank you. I got it. I got it. 
we're going to have to pray again just to get all this disorder. I'm going to ask you all, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 18, as we're going to jump through, through some, some of, uh, of God's word here that has to do with everything we just talked about. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word for this part. This is our main text, text, text tonight. And I want you to, to see, hear this. Verse, beginning of verse 14. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fel- fel- fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Bilal? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from the midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty. Let's pray one more time. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, just just help us to understand your truth tonight. Help us apply it to our lives tonight and help us to live for you for the rest of our lives. For in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, everybody have a seat. First thing it says is this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Uh, now, now, some have used this verse and gone, well, do not be unequally equally yoked. That means if, if you're not the same race, you, 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 can't be, you can't be in relationship together. And that's a bunch of boo-honky-poo-doo. Okay? That's my phrase. Okay? That is, that is so a twisting of the Word of God. God, <laughs> that is so not who the heart of God is. So when you hear someone say that, you say, man, that's boo-honky-poo-doo. Okay? Um, and, 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 and if they get mad at it, they can come talk to me about it. I'd be love to talk to them about it because it's dealing with unbelievers. Okay? Someone, believers are those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what a believer is. Unbeliever is someone who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? So it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, there's three types of yokes. They're not all spelled the same way, but they still sound the same way. We've got the first one is a, what are we on the screen? Egg yolk, okay? This is not talking about an egg yolk. Don't be confused going, don't be egg yoked with an unbeliever. Good, I can do that. Okay, so it's not an egg yolk we're, talk, we're talking here. There's another type of yolk. It is a... Oh, wait, you're like, wait, what in the world is this? Know that what a, a, rap, a, rap, a rabbi would teach would be called his, his yoke. The, the interpretation of the word of God, what he would teach to those that would follow him would be called his, his yoke, his beliefs, everything to a T. So a rabbi had a yoke. So that's sort of mainly what this text, don't be unequally yoked in your, your teaching because what, what you understand the word of God says and how they live their life out will never match up if they do not know Jesus Christ and you do. It won't. But there's a third type of yoke here and it's right there. Now, now that's, that, that's not a yoke. It's the thing that's on their neck. Now, I need a volunteer, uh, and it's not asking for a volunteer. Ready? Those are my notes, but that's not what I want. I want um, Liam coming up here. I've used you f- before for this, Liam. Uh, and and Ke- Kelly, come on down. Liam and Kelly, come on down. All right. Oh, yeah, you're doing your thing. Okay, you stand, stand right there. Okay. 
Now, this has nothing to do with them dating or being together or anything like that, okay? This is showing what, okay, okay, we've solved that. No rumors. <gasps> I took a picture and everything. Okay, now, thank you, Liam. Stand up, Saul, please. Okay, so, it says, do not be unequally yoked. We're going to pretend like this is one of those wooden yokes that you see on top of the cows. It's going to go up here. Oh, let's, let's give him the broom part because that's gross. And there you go. You can have this part right there. Liam, stand tall, please. Taller. No, not you. Okay. Now, an, an, in Deuteronomy um, it, 22.10, it says this. Have, have, have you got that scripture? Do not plow with an ox and donkey yoked together. Sorry, Liam's the ox. Love you. Donkey, donkey girl. All right. So, so it says, do not be une, unequally yoked. Why does it say that? Because... Liam, you take full strides, you take the strides I said. As they were, if they were, wait, stop, come back, come back. You hold on and pull on. together, if an ox and donkey are yoked together, they're never going to walk a straight line. Why? Because the ox has much more strength and usually a greater stride with that strength than the donkey has. And because of that, it's never, it's going to do this every time. And instead of going straight where you, where you want to go, you're always going to be turning the wrong way. Same picture right here. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? Simple truth, because you may try to go, man, I'm, I'm going to live for God with everything that I have, but you will never make it if you are yoked with someone who's an unbeliever. It's impossible to make it. Do not miss that. Are you with me? Yeah. Am I shouting yet? Yeah. Yes, yeah. you are. So as a team, you know, in marriage, you're supposed to be a team, and you've got to be a team in marriage to make it through it. Uh, but when one of those team becomes an anchor, it's going to pull the whole team down. So do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Interesting fact here, too. Oxen was a clean animal, known as a clean one. Donkey was unclean. You would never pair them together. The oxen would never make the unclean one clean by being side by side Oxen would be deemed unclean every time. Same truth. If you are in a relationship, you're a believer in Christ, you're in a relationship with someone who is not, you think, man, I'm just going to bring him to God. Not going to happen. You might say, well, I heard a story and it happened once. One out of every 10,816 times it might. But I I don't want to risk you on that because there's great loss. So are you with me still? Yes, good. 14 says this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what part partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Righteousness and lawlessness. Can they be like, like, like buds work together? No, they're opposites, right? goes on to say, 
What fellowship has light with darkness? What happens when you turn on the light? Dar- darkness does what? Like flees. And it, it flees. It cannot stay. They cannot work together. So he's saying, like, like so what partnership has righteous, righteousness with law, lawlessness? Or, or fellowship has light with darkness? What ac- accord or harmony has Christ with Bilal, another name for Satan? What relationship do they have? I read something that they were half-brothers. That's a bunch of crap. They, they weren't. Satan's a fallen an, an, an angel, always and always will be, always was, well beneath who Jesus always has been. There is no matchup. You're like, well, there's these two things that fight, and, and, and Jesus is going to win in the end, but it's a really close battle. It's not a close, close battle. Jesus is so much greater. What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Believer in Christ, hear me. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a Christ. With, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Your life is not about your choices and what you want. You understand, as we live for Christ, we lay that down and we seek after Christ. Un, un, unbeliever, what's their life about? Well, they're really, some are, are, are really nice people, and that is so true. But in the end, there's a Burger King philosophy. Have it your way, have it my way. My life's about me and what's going to make work out for me. So when you are trying to live for Christ and they're trying to live for themselves or even for you too and help you out, it's never going to work. You're going to walk in a circle every time. What ag- agreement has the temple of God with I- idols? Deuteronomy 5.9 says this. When it's, it's talking about idols and how God deals with it. It says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, v- visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Those who hate me. Is that a sobering thought that worshiping idols, which is putting anything above God? Anything. A car, a job, your schoolwork, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, social media status. Anything before God is equated with hating God. Well, I don't hate God when I do it. That is exactly what you do when we turn to these things that aren't God. And we, 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 we praise these things. He says that's, that's when you praise the, the, the things that ought not to be praised, it's hating me. Then it says, verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the, the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. In verse 17, therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. This is such a hard thing to do. Can I tell you, if, if it wasn't hard to do, we wouldn't have to teach it like we do, and I wouldn't see as many of my former students or even adults that I knew fall to this same trap. It's a simple truth. Okay, I am going to, to, to seek to when that time comes, when I'm, you know, the, the, the average age now to marry is 27 for a woman, 29 for a guy. When I, when I was young, younger, when I got married, it was 20, um, 24 
for a woman and 26 for a guy. So it, it sort of has moved up since then because school loans. I don't know why. But something has, has it's, it's going later and later. And um, I don't know what my point was with that, but it was a great one. Did you all like that? Yeah. Okay, we'll just move on. Thank you. Thank you. Please don't clap for that. Um, but this is this is 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 what he says. He says, therefore, go out from the midst of them and be separate from them. Being se- se- separate is a hard thing to do. In this world that we live in, it's sometimes not fun because you know what that will mean? You will be alone at times in the journey. Even some church friends may not walk the same path that you walk. The question is, do you want to drift and just be like everybody else? Or do you want to go, man, I'm going to, I'm going to seek God and, and, and fight to be right where he wants me, me, me to be? That's the question we've got to ask. Um, because this is what it says, then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord, our, the Lord God Almighty. Our obe- obedience to God will bring intimate relationship with him intimate relationship with him. Now, God loves you. And because of what you do, that love is not going to change. Can I tell you that? But the way that you, can, you approach him and you relate to him will be so sweet. And when, when this world is crushing around you, you're going to go, hey, my self-worth is found in God. I'm going to seek after God. These things in the world may tempt me, but I'm going to choose to obey his word and follow his command. <clears throat> um. Just to let you know, also, uh, there's not a psalm that says flirt to convert. Okay, the no psalm that's I mean, that's saying I'm just flirting. I just flirt to convert. That's just not not right. That's just weird. Um, uh, we, you know, the odds are if you go, man, I'm just gonna I'm gonna um, date this guy that doesn't know the Lord. I'm gonna date, date this girl that, that doesn't know the Lord. The odds for them to pull you down is so great. But you don't understand. I love, I love, they love me. I, it's love. Don't let love supersede the word of God. Can we put a stop to that? Well, it's okay because we love each other. Well, it's okay if I kill you because I love you. I mean, we, we can say it for a lot of, I mean, love doesn't trump the word of God. We need to sort of stop allowing that to occur. Um, when you look for, to, as we wrap it up, as you look for your Future husband and wife, and I mean future, like, hey, let's go 10 years from now, okay? When, when, when you begin to look that way, uh, they must have the same belief, standards, faith, and Christ that you have. And if you don't, it will drag you away from God more than it will drag them away from, from the world. Um, guys, hear me out, guys, for a second. Look up here. As a Christian, uh, when you start to look around for this girl or this guy that you're, you're, you, you want to be with for the rest of your life, raise the bar. Raise the, but you go, man, there's just not a whole lot out there. I, I understand that. Raise the bar. If you begin to practice that, your life will be so sweet if you just take that advice. Look for a girl, one that you're attracted to. I, that's a good thing. God, God created that. But look for one who loves Jesus and is 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 li, living for Him. Uh, and guys, 
as you do that, you need to be the godly guy that, that a girl like that deserves to have. Okay? I've saw, talked to so many youth that were like, man, I'm just waiting for the right one. And they're living just like, just in the world. And they're going, yeah, I'm looking for this thing to, to, to honor Christ. I want someone to really honor Christ. Well, are you honoring Christ? I mean, we, we need to fight to live that way. I want to live, you need to want to live to be what a godly girl is, is trying to look for. But you, you, it's, it's, it's hard. You've got to look that way, but you've got to live that way. Um, girls, you don't need a guy who goes to church or, or um, who says he's a Christian. Oh, I'm, I've had so many conversations that go, oh, yeah, he's a Christian. Well, where does he go to church? Well, I'm not real sure. Does he go very often? Nah, not really. If it's not real important to him now, unless his heart is changed by Christ, it's not going to be important to him five years from now. 10 years from now, and you're going to be like, man, why hasn't this worked out? Because you, you didn't vet the process very good. Uh, his relationship with God's got to be a priority and not an afterthought, girls. And as a girl, you need to be a godly woman that, that God deserves. So this is what you look for. This is how you live, how I look and how I live. They need to reflect the, the same thing. And if you do that, I'm not saying, ah, at 24 and a half, this person is going to come into your life and you'll be like, this is the most beautiful person in the world. It's, it just doesn't work that way. The world is, is, is just weird. But God still says, hey, trust me, seek me, honor me in this. Now, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there, there's a phrase for the past 20 years I've said to students, probably more than that, and it's this. Don't settle. When it comes to relationships, don't settle. Put that bar where it needs to be. You live where that bar is at, and that's where you are, are, are going to look. Don't go, ah, oh, well, they're, they're nice. Don't settle. So many people settle, and when you settle, you lose out. You, and I don't want you to, to lose out. Because I'll tell you all this, I did not settle. And it is, is good. Marriage is crazy good. And that's what I want for you. But you've got to start now. Um, one last thing. Next week we're going to talk a little bit more about, about where I'm, I'm going to go. We're going to talk about really uh, sexual immorality and, and, and how, how we deal with that in our life and what God expects of us in that. But can I tell you all this, guys and girls, as I've gotten to, to talk with you all, and I thank you all for just allowing me to address you all on the topic that I have because it's just very important. Whoever you date, when that time's come, when your parents approve of that, I'm not going to set an age, but the, the, the younger you start to date, the odds for you to fall are much greater than someone who starts to date late, later in life, not like in their 60s. I'm talking about like 16 or 17 if you, if you wait until then before you even start, you are much better off than someone starts at 13 or 12. Because I'll tell you this, if you want to seek after God and honor God with your life, if you start dating at 13, the odds are there's 10 years before you will be married. That's a long time to play with fire. Um, you know, there's a, we're going to get into this some, but in marriage, in the Word of God, it talks about the man being the head of the, the household. 
And it's, it's, not, it's not one who rules like with an iron fist. It's actually one who rules in love. It says in Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, so men, every man in this room, God calls you when that day comes to love your wives like Christ loved the church and he died on the cross for a, as a sacrifice for sins for the church. And you are called to try to achieve that and you can't, but you're, that's what you're to strive for. And girls, when a man loves you like that, it says, wives, in verse 23, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And in the world is angry about that verse. But when she is loved by a man who loves her like Christ loves the church, he is putting her first and loving her and protecting her in so many ways. Girls, you are going to go, yeah, I'm going to walk with him because he, he's, he's being self- selfless with me. He's putting my, his feelings above, uh, uh, beneath mine and he's protecting me. And this is how this relationship works. It's a, it's a beautiful relationship here. 1 Corinthians eleven three says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Ephesians 5, 23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Guys, you are called today in hearing this truth, you are responsible for it, and that's this. God calls you one day to be a leader in your home. And you will never start to be a leader in your home unless you start to be a leader right now. And when you reach that age with your parents, when it's right, uh, dating is okay, understand that you are responsible, guys, more than the girls, because the leader is always more responsible responsible than the other party. You are more responsible than the girls and where that really relationship goes and if it's pure or not. Guys, look up here. You hear what I'm saying? Both are wrong. If a relationship goes, and a lot of times youth relationships, be careful with them because so many times they go wrong. But understand, guys, there's a greater weight of responsibility on you because God is calling you to be the man to be a leader. We're going to talk about more that next week. But man, don't miss out on the chance. And it's not like, I'm telling you what to do, woman. No, I'm going to seek after God and, and follow at, after his word. And in, in doing that, that's how we start to learn how to lead for that day, one day, that beautiful day when it comes for you. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word, for your truth. Um, just a lot of sort of important stuff, God. I just want... I just, ask, I just want students to understand uh, what an awesome privilege marriage is and uh, how you have such a plan with it. But even now, as, as this teenage years ages, as, as students begin to try to find themselves and try to sort of figure out how this stuff works out, Lord, I just ask that you'll help, help students to, to be more concerned about your word than the current as it's trying to pull at them. And may they seek after your word. May they find their self-worth in you. And may the commands in your word affect every aspect of their life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, that's all we got. Y'all have a good week.